Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline Donahue, and I have arthritis from the lack of arch support in my ballet flats. Joining me is part-time lover and a full-time friend, Rebecca Taylor, aka Self-Esteem. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, that was so fucking funny already. <laughs> the ballet flats. My feet are like when they're on when they're on a floor, they're just completely Every bit of flesh is, is pressed to the floor. There's no arch. There's no... No. There's no lift. Do you know what I mean? Just a flat slab of gammon <laughs> is my feet because yeah. of ballet yeah, flats. Evolution. That's how evolution works. They're going to do a green planet on it one day and it's just all these flat-footed women <laughs> in their 30s. It was so bad. I used to wear I used to wear a pair of slippers that were like, had loads of like glitter on them because you just like pushed your foot yeah. in and I just flapped about in them. And the strain on my shins, I got shin splints from the like agony of keeping them on my feet. It's so weird that at the exact same time, the sort of, um, the exact same thing was happening in young female culture, which was like the introduction of like insane, like heels and like, you know, it was kind of those irregular choice heels that came to the high yeah. street and just like suddenly 18 year old girls were wearing like six inch stilettos that were covered in playing cards and also <laughs> fucking ballet shoes and converse so it was like it was one or the yeah. other you were harming your feet permanently yeah. whichever <laughs> it, yeah a regular choice as well like i thought that was the coolest thing i've ever seen that and tatty divine like and i couldn't afford either and i was obsessed obsessed anyway sorry if we we're shooting right into it, but yes. We're shooting right in, but today, Rebecca Taylor, we're talking about Indie Twee, which I have had, I've had an idea for this episode in my head ever since you and I first spoke for our Drag Race episode. And uh, we talked about how the two of us went through this, a similar journey in the noughties, but we were on different sides of it yeah. because you were at the top of the shoot feeding stuff in and I was in a HMV in Cork. Uh, collecting it <laughs> specifically so you you were the top of the chain I was the end of the chain <laughs> well yes and no but I felt very much at the bottom of the chain too like weird it's just yeah I think that whole era was just based on uh completely not trusting yourself or <laughs> like it, I never had any confidence you know what I mean but that's what was that was the style <laughs> That, that, that was the style of the time. The whole point was to be like, <laughs> was having... sorry, excuse me. Yeah, it, I, 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 some like saying that I was cool is baffling to me because I was so, I mean, committed and obsessed with trying to be cool, but also very sure that I'd never succeeded. Let's start from the very basics of what is twee, what is indie twee. I think people who are of our generation and grew up in the UK and Ireland will know instantly, but for people a bit older or for people internationally, they might need a bit more help. What are we talking about specifically? It was just this era of music that I believe was 
we it trickled from America, I think. It was this anti-folk mm. American thing. That's what what everything about it came from me seeing Bright Eyes and Tilly in the Wall and those sort of bands. And so sonically and visually, nothing was cooler than that for me. And so still even today, like when I'm going to the studio, I want to make the coolest thing I can think of. But that changes, like your your taste changes. And mm. that was the coolest thing I could think of. And that's what we emulated. And that's what I emulated in what I look like. But over here, it had a sort of, <laughs> like a, like often British versions of it aren't as cool. <laughs> and it's actually <laughs> really embarrassing. And um, we had our, and Twee became this, like a, a word you like, Pretty quickly, I wanted to escape. I'm not really explaining this well. But, but yeah, ultimately, it, I, I have such a complicated relationship with it because once upon a time, nothing was cooler than a ukulele with a little red, with a little fabric R on it that I blue tacked on. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it was like absolutely deathly embarrassing. And why I think that happened was Slow Club, we sort of adapted early to this American version of it that we... we was like felt really cool and then as soon as everyone in the UK was doing it, it was instantly humiliating to be a part of <laughs> I don't think I've explained that well though no I, I think you did and but I think the thing is is that there are some people for whom twee is um as authentic a descriptor for a genre and for not just a genre of music but for um like a like a click a lifestyle mm. an aesthetic that is legitimate. And for some people, it is just the first insulting thing they heard the music they either made or liked be called by a really bullshit music magazine mm. and mm. a really bullshit man who was working there. Like I was revisiting some er, some coverage from I think 2008 of early Los Campesinos tracks. And that guy, that guy who worked for The Quietest who died a few years ago, but his whole thing was making horrible statements about quite harmless bands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just... Literally, in, in a thousand word essay about Los Campesinos, the word pedo came up six times. Like, this, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> deserved. No, I'm joking. <laughs> deserved. <laughs> oh, oh, my, one of my favorite ever bands, by the way. Still. Oh, yeah, yeah. an incredible band, a wonderful band. Um, and, and we're definitely right there along with you guys as being hailed as being the British version of an American thing and so therefore already being called something copycat and derivative Mm. even though those inspirations were very valid. Um, And also because they have this specific point of view and this specific aesthetic and I'm including you and Slow Club and Last Camp in this, this thing of um, an element of naivety and whimsy that because the music was being made by genuinely young people was Mm. just going to be there anyway. Yeah. And also a, a sort of, yeah, sort of like um, an openness and a lack of, a lack of meanness and a lack of cruelty that kind of hardened music journals who loved rock music and punk music saw as inherent weakness. Yeah, God. And preyed on it. You're a genius. That's exactly it. It's so funny because it it's so been, I just lived it so hard and... My, my, obviously my relationship to making music and and having an aesthetic and all that has been just been ages and so long and so governed by other people um that i that it 
yeah, it's hard for me to objectively look at Twee. But even then, mm. when you were saying it, I was like, of course we were making this sort of sweet stuff because we were 18. And uh, but 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 the thing that makes no sense to me is like, how come it was it was sort of genius that somehow for a brief moment in time being kind, sweet, um, whimsical was cool. <laughs> Um, and I, and even that, and I'm, you know, the hardened journalist now, I guess. that I mean, I would never be mean, but I can see why it was annoying to a more jaded, lived experience of someone a bit older. But yeah, I, I just really haven't got anything more, I wish I had a more sort of scholarly response to like why it felt chic as fuck, but it did, really briefly. <laughs> And like, I have never felt more powerful than wearing like a vintage dress. I had this fucking plastic piano brooch that I put on a headband and I would put that on my head. So I this is like floating piano in my hair. And I felt like, oh. I felt like, you know, Julia Fox <laughs> feels today in it. I felt legitimately high end creative. <laughs> But that's the thing. I mean, I don't think there's anything shameful about that. And I think you, I don't know if you sort of keep it, because I work right in YA, I sort of keep half an eye on youth trends just mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. what I can pilch to. <laughs> Is there anything I can use with it? <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. But 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 dark academia is a big thing now. I don't know if you've heard that before. Um it's this this whole uh sort of TikTok aesthetic that's very much linked to the secret history and those kind of campusy oh, okay. novels where somebody gets murdered where it's all about tweeds and a beret and drinking coffee and it's kind of it's their twee. It's back. Yeah. It's back. It's back and, and it's it's, um, it's sort yeah. of beautiful to me because I think everyone has this period where you're maybe when you were in your teens proper like 15 16 you would gravitate certainly our generation towards emo and punk and a bit more black sky thinking and then you kind of emerge going to uni and the world feels sort of open and you're sort of experimenting with adult dressing which is why so many of us ended up in these genuinely frumpy dresses (laughs) so funny i was obsessed it was a mix of like I had this friend who was four years older than me and she was like really into Carrie Bradshaw and really into vintage shopping and stuff. She lived in a flat in Sheffield. Like she was 18 and had a flat. That was amazing, you know, and drove. And Unbelievably we were, cool. Like she blew my mind. And uh, we were both in this amateur dramatics uh, musical and she was the lead. And she, for rehearsal one day, turned up in lime green stiletto, vintage lime green stilettos and clacked about in them. And I was just like... I've, I can see it right now, and I was obsessed, and I like made her be my friend. And then she used to we used to drive to the Corn Exchange in Leeds, and go rifling through these stinking dresses and come out with hundreds of them. My mum would be like, oh. <laughs> "But yeah, why was that so cool? I don't. I wonder what their true origin is." I think from a style point of view, and it's funny because it's like, as I said, yes, it's the music, but it's also it's everything else. It's the style, it's the, the behaviour, it's the the vernacular of the whole thing. It's I find it so interesting because I think around that time period, um, the sort of the raunch era of like 
mass massly available sex tapes like mm. I, I mean i i had brothers so i saw sex tapes very early in like uh paris hilton sex tape mm. and all that kind of stuff um that felt quite quite scary mm. like it was this weird era where like it wasn't that uncommon for like a 17 year old to have tried anal and because, <laughs> because like yeah that that was the level of of you know whatever the, the how rattled we were as a culture because we got so much sex culture all at once and like the whole um the party girl thing Lindsay Lohan mm. all, all these all these examples of the kind of women that you couldn't be and so there was something that felt very scary about that culture and therefore taking refuge in something that was quite conservative but also felt radical in its own way because there was a spirit of being eclectic about it I mean clever like having a piano on your head do you know what I mean there was a cleverness to yeah. it that felt like something you yeah. know it was a continuation of being alt in an adult sort of arena I suppose like I had always you know I was new metal right you know and then and then I pivoted to this you know it was the perfect it yeah it was a, a grown-up way to be new metal <laughs> and still be like this I'm different I'm not a normie but then it also had this additional like I'm really trying to rack my brain like for to to put my finger on what it what it was for me but it was just so it had the same amount of like yeah duh this is cool that I used to have when I would wear baggy jeans and have a chain and you know like new metal music and then there were there was the hypersexed you know girls wearing like short skirts and smoking and like they were having sex and stuff like that but I was like there was this safety in my world of being like alt and also, like psychologically, I was not ready to be grown up in that in those ways, and then yeah, it just sort of continued it. My first, I got my first boyfriend. I was like, you know, we got together because he sort of looked like Donnie Darko, and <laughs> and we went to see God. What did we go to see? You know, we went to we would go to gigs, and we were obsessed with Bright Eyes, and he took me to Paris to see Bright Eyes for my birthday, right? And, like, everything was, like, handwritten oh notes. God. And we would take oil... We would take watercolours to Clumber Park and paint. <laughs> and it was Oh, just, my yeah. God. Did you bring a typewriter wherever you went oh. and did free poems for people? <laughs> it was one step away, to be honest. And, yeah, and every, it was just so, so quirky and random, wasn't it? And, like, but truly earnest and real in the moment like obsessed I don't know when it's shifted for me but I remember the word twee started to be this thing that we had this manager let's talk about a manager who'd got a band signed just before us massive record deal they were called tiny dancers don't know if you they had like a few hits and they um and they, I remember them yeah. yeah so slow club like our first break was touring with tiny dancers and Tendencies used to have loads of balloons and confetti and they all dressed like really bonkers and it was super twee, but the music was really good and they were this hype band who got a big record deal. And to me, that was like, okay, everything's solved when you get the big record deal. That's all we can get. And this manager has got them that, so she can get us it. And like, obviously now that's not how it works. And, you know, it, it's a whole other podcast to talk about that time in the band, but like it was, it wasn't a very nice relationship. And, and, um, and then it started to be this like twee, we get kept getting called twee and the manager really wanted to like dispel that. And how do we dispel that? Whilst also it was our 
intrinsically what we were and we should have just leaned into it in the way that, you know, knowing the whale did and stuff like that because we probably would have got a bit further but we were just like stuck between like, I would wear a dress and bake cakes that said slow club on and hand them out in, in the middle of the show and people loved that like, interactive, like, quirkiness. But then I was, like, deeply ashamed when we got called twee and we were like, how do we stop being twee? So I, I have got this, like, mini theory about Slow Club and the sort of rise of Slow Club, which was, like, I think we got... We, there was too many opinions too early. And and if we'd have just stuck to what we actually like... Because we were twee bastards. We just were. Because that's what was cool. I'm sorry. It just was. <laughs> I've, said this, I've said this to you before, but, um, you know... Again, you were at the top of the shoot feeding stuff down and I was at the bottom of the shoot receiving it. And I, you know, worked in HMV 2008 through 2011. And we got, we felt like we invented it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of it. And that and that's the ego trip of being that kind of person, being in that sort of job. Like I remember when, you know, one copy of Mumford and Sons came in and then we put it on the playlist and then we thought we were the reason that people kept coming and asking for it. We thought we were the tastemakers of Cork City and therefore all of Ireland. No, completely irrelevant to the, like not tuned in to the that other people were, you know, plugging this thing. We thought we invented So all this music and, and Yeah So, which was the first mm -hmm. Slow Club album, right? Um, mm -hmm. That came in and that became one of our playlist regulars. And I was obsessed with it. And I used to listen to it every morning when I was getting ready for college and stuff. And it's just, it's so weird having a relationship with you now <laughs> <laughs> because you were so present then. It's very odd. But I was walking around the park this morning, walking my dog, listening to the album again. And it's so funny because like, like your songwriting is solid. It's always going to be solid. It was always there. Obviously, you know that. But there's this sense when you have it in your headphones and you're looking out and the muddy park doesn't feel like the muddy park anymore. It feels like this sort of brisk vista where I could fall in love. Do you know what I mean? And like my dog ran up to some random man who wasn't handsome and who I didn't like the look of, <laughs> but for like a second, because you were in my ear with that sort of breathy romance of a 19 yeah. year old. It, it, the world felt romantic and yeah. possible. And I was like, I get it. Like this, it, this music, it works. It works yeah. on your heart, like and your yeah. your mind. It just, it, it, when it works, it really works. When it's annoying, it's really annoying. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why you know the the movement folded in on itself so exactly. quickly. I think exactly that. Like I made, like I I stand by all of it, apart from this one that says there's a song called When I Go, which is like fucking vomit inducing, but all the rest of them are. There's something, you know. I, Unfortunately, it's the la the first track on the album. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. But we did get that on a, I think it was a crew, um, Lay's Chips ad, which like paid our rent for like quite a few, for quite a few years actually. So wow. All power to, you know, justice for When I Go by Slow Club. But um, yeah, I, I see what you mean. And that's a lovely way to even think about it. And my, my, my relationship with it all is, is like I said earlier, like it, it's, there's so many things at play that I still haven't worked through emotionally and I can't see it with rose tinted glasses yet, but, but I want to, and I, and I think I will, because it was like innocent and real and probably like the most pure I could be in a way, because it didn't really, I had an excitement for writing songs that I, you know, still have but it it's been marred by having to write songs you know I could see it was that that first album's like yeah. we didn't need to this wasn't I was we were both gonna go to uni we deferred I deferred for a year and Charles was the year below me so we had this like one year to do it or not 
you know, and that absolutely changed the course of my whole life that we did do it. But yeah, I, I and we made it in this, we made that album in this studio in Sheffield that I don't even think is a studio anymore. And we had an engineer called Mike Tim, who was Richard Hawley's sound man. So he was just like absolutely brilliant at micing shit up. And we were so lucky to find that. And we produced it ourselves, you know. And no one was telling, you know, it was yeah. no like, you should work with this person, you should work with that person. We just were truly plugging away, trying to sound like bright eyes. <laughs> and, you know, and also there's like moments of real, like it's this, when people talk about self-esteem lyrics, they're like, oh my God, you're so vulnerable and real and true. And I'm like, I've been saying this shit for over a decade. Like go and listen to this Rebecca songs on a slow club album. Like my heart's open then, you know, you just couldn't, sort of, I don't know, people, you didn't notice or in a vintage dress and a ukulele, maybe you don't, you don't hear it as much. You just hear the, some of its parts, but yeah. Funny old time though, that like, yeah, never get it back. You know, that true innocence and true, um, absolute hundred percent. I want to want it to be anywhere else in the world than doing that, you know, like such focus on the goal of making real music, man. <laughs> I'm interested in, because I, I imagine, because you, you toured so much and at quite a young age and, I'd love to know what the response was like on the road because I'm sure you had like that thing of like handing out cakes at gigs is you're right that is like if you were doing a parody of the time you would have a musician do that in a movie right but it's also it's so it's it's true and it's what you want to do when you're that age you, you you are just so thrilled that anyone would come at all and it does feel like a party and because and I imagine I'm putting myself in your shoes because of this very sort of healthy online blogging sphere and MySpace sphere that was happening probably you felt very connected to those fans and therefore putting out putting out food for your friends just feels like a normal and beautiful thing to do but I'm, I'm I'd be very interested to know when you were supporting bigger, older bands, how they received you and their fans yeah. and how they received you. Well, yeah, just saying that it's like, I, it's still in me now and it's why self-esteem shows are like they are now. Like I've always, like if you're going to put me on a stage and there's lights, I always wanted to do something that you may be not going to expect. It just doesn't make sense to me to not do that. So, and now it's like, <laughs> so ashamed. But at the time, this is how we grew bigger. This is how we got more gigs. I had a chair. You know about the chair? Did you ever see me play the chair? No, no. I had a chair, like, um, you know, with um, slats. And so my, I played the drums. I had a kick drum, a snare, a tom, and then a chair on the back. And I used to go like... With a drumstick oh, on the back of that. stuff. And everyone's like, whoa, man, she's playing a chair. <laughs> and I would... Honestly, my bollocks would be massive. I was like, yes, I'm David fucking Bowie right now. I am a genius. No one has ever thought to do this. And this is going to make you stop in your tracks and look. And so I always had that, like, desire to make you stop what you're doing and look up at what was happening. And I used to, oh, my God, I had this thing that was a, like, a clothes rail and with string to, like, twine, uh, <laughs> sung bottles of schlur <laughs> empty bottles of schlur which I filled up with different amounts of water with different coloured food colouring in so they were all multicoloured rainbow oh my god and I would like plink plunk plink plink like I made a makeshift 
um, oh. Glockenspiel. <laughs> oh, it's the, it's but that this is the thing about Twee is that it's you can make fun of it, but it's fucking charming. It's, it was so it's char- lovely, and I think so much of it was about. And I, I've I've been reading a lot about this this morning. I read I read an entire like ebook on Twee in pre- preparation for this, in which the life and death of Walt Disney are documented across a forty page chapter. So it was quite an overwrought book. Mm. <laughs> like it really went places. Okay. Um, but it talks a lot about this sort of like post Iraq War atmosphere where everything, where protest culture has failed, and the sort of you kind of have to admit that everything is owned by three companies or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so therefore the urge to make something small and real when so much feels big and distant, I think it was a really real urge around that time. Mm-hmm. It- <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah, sorry, carry on. I'm just laughing at this slur because I left it in there and it went moldy. <laughs> And then there's like mold in these no! bottles eventually, yeah. But I, I honestly, I was doing it from a place of where I'm still doing what, you know, that's why my shows now have like dance routines and we do all this shit in them and it's like theatre because everything is boring. So, I, and I still, I even had it then. If we're walking on stage, plonking the fucking bottles full of slur down in the chair, I mean, and I used to stand up and drum and uh, in a dress. Like I knew the power that had. I mean... <laughs> It looked bonkers, but it made people look. And it, and truly, which is, you know, we were a band because we kept getting tours. Every We we never stopped touring because we were the perfect support band because we were just two people on the front of the stage, so easy to clear off. And and it was interesting. And yeah, I I to but, put a scot, like, you know, to talk about post-Iraq and stuff like that, like, it was so far from my brain space but yeah the the trickle down I guess is is there and I just wanted to make yeah I just wanted it to feel it's just really hard because right like I could talk at length what I want to create right now but back then I'd, I I wonder what I thought because all I can remember thinking is I just want to be like you know the lead singer of Tilly in the Wall and nothing was more powerful than to want to to be cool that's a shit answer, but it's the truth. I, I wish I could remember much more why we were doing it. But then also, like, slowly, it's just a cry for... It's a way to celebrate, like, altness. And I got to get my feelings out and have these, like, qu- bonkers, quirky ideas um, and not be, like, told to stop it or stop showing off and, you know, or told off. Like, it was, like, school, just finished school and then I could, like, do this mad shit. If I want, yeah, you know, it felt quite exciting. So, at what point in the sort of you know homemade Glockenspiel <laughs> and all that kind of stuff did the did the self correcting instinct mm. to not be that kick in? Did did the stagecraft ever suffer as a result of that? Yeah, like it, you know, so well not suffer. It's just the 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 natural journey was we started to tour with other bands and we would see other, you know, Charles especially, I think, started to get a bit embarrassed by the the flamboyant bits. I think he lost his sort of Uh nerve a bit quicker than me in terms of, like, trying to be 
quirky or whatever. And and there was nothing more powerful for me than in, in, to think, oh God, am I the am I the loser or oh, I better change, you know? So uh, and I think we'd met other bands and we'd seen we'd seen. I think it, it it probably coincided with the sort of end of Twee being underground and cool and the start of it being on every advert and in the charts and Mumford and & Sons and Noah in the Whale and all that sort of thing. It, probably around the time that it, it felt like Charles got really embarrassed by it all was probably around that time. And then I I sort of agreed and and became very ashamed as well. And then we just started to try and be like... You know, we got a drummer and a bassist, and we, and I just started to just play guitar, and you know, but it's the, the same thing applies to me. Like even now, when I feel a little bit like on the back foot, or I'm not sure, I'll do a gig in a t-shirt. You know, still, you know, selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I will. I'll tone it all down if I if I'm not at full capacity. And it was just a sort of I entered into a good you know decade of not being sure of myself and suddenly like doing creative fun ideas and being different quote unquote like was too scary so that was the death of it really did you ever feel like towards the end of that moment when you were starting to get more embarrassed and that being a a reflection of like charles's embarrassment therefore becoming your embarrassment was there ever a moment where you were interacting with your own audience and you would see, you know, I assume, like probably girls like me, girls who were like two years younger than you, wearing stuff you would have worn three years ago. Mm. And this, and I think this happens to a lot of people where you become kind of, whether you like it or not, and whether it's a noble instinct or not, slightly repulsed by your own fan base and you start to envy another, like envy the Strokes' fan base or the Arctic Monkeys' fan base or something. Did that ever happen? Absolutely. I just started to be like, damn it, I've this rod for my back that I'm grossed out by and, and desperately embarrassed by. And yeah, me now, I'd be like, I play to your fucking strengths, you stupid bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I can't believe I used to, I renounced it so quickly and so violently. But then I think it, it if we could chart it, it probably went hand in hand with my like, mental illness getting worse and me experiencing true (laughs) depression and a true heartbreak and life just getting a bit fucking harder and I got more nasty and and dark-hearted and 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 
and I want and I just wanted to take the piss out of that girl who wasn't like life just started to win a bit like it does in your 20s and you feel all this fucking shit and loads of this stuff happens to you and I got very like I hate myself lol fucking this you know that was my whole as that part that era of me started it was and I would blame how we set our stall out for what like I have always had a fucking chip on my shoulder about you know slow club never we never reached the heights I wanted to, you know, and it's the perfect storm of reasons why I think, and there's not what, and it's all, it's multifactorial, absolutely. But I, I spent a lot of time really, yeah, thinking if we hadn't said it out like that, maybe we'd, it would be going better and maybe we'd be cooler. But what I actually should have done is just, you know, play to your strengths and, and do it and do what, what's good but I also think like it's cool that we it's cool we transitioned and moved and changed but um I think it made for quite a confusing audience experience <laughs> and I don't think anyone quite ever quite understood what slow could work also because we weren't together or related I think that always like made no sense to people and so yeah I um I was full of really full of a lot of resentment <laughs> that I really pinned on the cakes you know <laughs> I th- I think your your journey mirrored the journey of of sort of non non musicians. Yeah. The same thing of like, and I do with that thing you were saying a minute ago about like Tilly in the Wall and like even Bell and Sebastian like oh, that kind of stuff. That stuff felt underground and intellectual, even though it celebrated naivety and mm. youth and. And it was quite precocious, all of it. And it sort of depended on you knowing a lot of references. And there was a, mm. there was a coolness mm. to that, right? Um, but then, I, and I think this was very much buttressed by the films. So I'm talking <laughs> Juno, like 500 Days of Summer. Anything that had a pencil graphic as the poster. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like as in that yes. sort of thing. Even Eternal Sunshine, which I, I think is a fucking masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like all mm-hmm. it all contributed in its own way. And it became and like Zoe Deschanel becomes the sort of poster girl mm-hmm. of it. And mm-hmm. you know, suddenly you can buy you can buy vinyl in Urban Outfitters, which we can accept now, but at the time mm-hmm. I remember was a real you know, it felt like oh a sign of the times mm-hmm. is that, you know, vinyl is now an accessory mm-hmm. that you buy mm-hmm. at a clothes shop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I think that all contributed towards this mass culture and then all of us who had embraced all this American music like Bright Eyes and all the mm. stuff that we were getting on blogs and like going on Pitchfork to get it all just felt like it lost its value because like I remember loving a band like the band Stars and then that song Your Ex-Lover is Dead being mm. on Eternal Sunshine and mm. then suddenly yeah it's that age where you're you're constantly discarding things um, and then it just got so big that it collapsed yeah I think it's again a few things ruined it, but what I one was its early adapters went into the mid twenties, and I don't, you know, I don't know anyone who gets through those years without getting pretty glass half empty for a bit, like unless, like, I don't know, you're yeah. just really fine. I don't know. I don't know anyone like that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nope. tr- it was truly like a. So so yeah, it was it was hard, but the, but there was there's always been something I can connect with, especially with bright eyes. Like even now, if I'm a bit like stuck to think or got no ideas of, of any songs or anything, like I, I will put bright eyes back on because it's so wordy and there's so much going on and he's saying so much and it's all all very like 
you know, if you if you disconnect from the sort of like tweeness or whatever, or the Americanness or the like really over the topness, like I still really it, I'm still really into it. <laughs> and, and it's still sort of uh, it's a real still it's still the blueprint for what I'm on about now in a way. Cause he's really just being messy and real and and yeah, so I I, I there was my shitty twenties really I, I the I stayed connected to some of it, but then I couldn't like bear the sweetness or the carefreeness or the like, running through the park at night with a bottle of JD-ness of it anymore. It was like, like but I think that's just because like my heart just got continually just fucking shat on <laughs> and like life got in the way yeah. of, of my uh, wide-eyedness. But it did make way for this, you know. Uh, it, it's still in there. It's still in there for me. Some twee shit is still in there. Lost Camper, like, still in there massively. You know, <laughs> I just love it. It's great, you know. But it's funny, those things, that the, the things that people really stuck onto, which was like xylophone, uh, ukulele, going, hey, ho, and all that sort of stuff. Like, they're the, th- <laughs> they're the things that still... So a song will fucking come out now and, I'll, and it'll be massive. And I'll be like, for fuck's sake, Slow Club, we're doing that. <laughs> we were doing that 15 years yeah. ago. And it's still, for some reason, to a mass market, I think it still reads as intellectual or alt or indie or cool. To an enormous mass Intellectual market. while also being harmless. So I, you, yeah. you notice like if you're ever watching um, a, a, a short video or an advert by a very evil company, they will have yeah. background music about their ethos, about like, here's what we're doing to help protect your data. And it, uh, you, they could literally <laughs> sound like a, like a slow club sound in the background. Yeah, I fucking like, wish it was. Give me some, get me paid. Give me the cash, Google. Yes, the thing is, is that you... You talk about your sort of bittersweet relationship with this thing. And and that's kind of why I'm interested in doing these episodes the most is that like Indie Twee was a movement like any other. Like it was like like punk or like mm-hmm. rap or whatever. It was a, a movement of young people who had come together to make music in their bedrooms and then show it to the world. Like it's un, it's not different to any other musical movement. The only difference is, is because Twee was so beloved by women and so and young girls and so attached to a fashion culture as well, mm-hmm. it's become more embarrassing. And I think like, regardless of what music you would have, were making back then, you would have gotten shit because you were a woman making music, oh, yeah. you know? Oh God, yeah. But then I also think it's embarrassing I'm just putting this together now, but like it's embarrassing because movements like punk and rap are born out of the, the sign of the times and the and the struggle of in that in that time and a pushback or a and a need to communicate. Indie twee came from mostly just like pretty all right white people with not a lot of problems ultimately, you know, and, and I think yeah. that's why it's embarrassing. <laughs> My struggles were that you know. <laughs> you know, shitty boyfriends, not me. You know, like that. I think that's why I'm humiliated by <laughs> some of it because it, as a movement in, of music, it was, yeah, it wasn't really rallying against anything. Okay, but counterpoint. Yes, everything you said is true. But counterpoint, um, every, every, like, 
There's no song on the Arctic Monkeys first album that Slow Club couldn't have also written. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I love that for you as an opinion, but <laughs> that's true. Like, yeah. if, if you had come out with Mardi Bomb, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Mean? It's not like Marty Bomb or whatever. Like the, they were, they were white kids who didn't have that many problems, and yet they retained their vision of cool. Yes, yes. So let's think about that. <laughs> I, yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> but I think that's the other reason why it sort of becomes popular as well, because maybe life didn't always have to be rallying against something, and that's why girls in their bedrooms really loved me because I was just being very like them, and uh, and maybe it's the start of that that closeness to something to or. Or, or, or resonating. I see what you mean about Arctic Monkeys, but I think that they... Well, I just think he's just so fucking brilliant that they knew to evolve. I think he's a fucking and, genius. Yeah, yeah me too. But I, I, but, but I see what you mean. I bet, like, most people's first albums, they are like... <laughs> I wonder if the Arctic Monkeys are like, oh, God, I'm not playing Mardi Gras, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I wonder if they have a similar connection to it. But I... Yeah, I haven't really got a good answer. I'm trying to think, like... I bet Alex Turner is so jealous of you. <laughs> because you, he still has to play I just got... I, I bet you look good on the dance floor at gigs and you don't have to play anything when from Yeso. You get to do what you want. <laughs> I, do, I do keep having this feeling, like, slowly, really big famous people now and again are, like, like self-esteem or they've discovered it and I'm like, you know... At an age where that's like nice, but it's you know it doesn't keep me up at night. I'm not like losing my shit, but it's nice. It's really nice, and I'm like, when is Alex? <laughs> When's he gonna email me? <laughs> when? When I'm here, being so legit. But yeah, I just assumed yet. you were friends because you're both from Sheffield. No, wow. I've got this feeling he'll meet me and be like, oh, okay, there you were all along, love of my life. <laughs> we can live in S11. And... <gasps> yeah, it's fine. It's the part of the journey, Caroline. I'm waiting. When he's ready, it'll happen. When he's ready, the shadow of that man looms large over all of our lives, I think. Because I still... Because like, you're, you're talking and I'm like, no, he's in love with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all he has to do is meet you. It's fine. It's fine. But no, they... Yeah. That's the thing with Slocal Boat. The Arctic, in a post-Arctic Monkeys world, for me, it felt like you could, you could be from Sheffield and become the biggest band in the world. There was no reason not to be. It's possible. And that sort of really enabled this, the the um, ambitious, big, big picture artist that I've ended up sort of only just being allowed to be. But that didn't really fit in a world of like plaid shirts and like, oh, we're just, just going to strum on this banjo and I'm not going to play. I'm going to da- detune a banjo because, whoa, you know, and... Uh, 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 and excuse me, sorry, uh, don't mind me whilst I'm really talented, you know. That didn't really fit in. I did not fit in that world. But because I'm really, like, adaptable and because I had formerly, you know, I had my end of high school journey with twee music and liking it and think, finding it really cool, I, I grabbed onto that and that was a, a sort of mutual point to make music from. But then as soon as I started, as soon as it was over for everyone... We were stuck with no, no, um, you, no uniting genre anymore, and that's why Slow Club sort of like I'm proud of it all, but it ended up it was very hard to find a middle ground for us both to stick stick to want to sound like. 
which is why it's ended up sounding like Fleetwood Mac in the end, because it's like, okay, like, you know, Fleetwood Mac is forever, let's do that. <laughs> what a journey you've been on, man. What a journey we've all been on. Yeah. <laughs> just like a representation of it. It's, I think it's, you're just the most fascinating person to talk to on this, because I feel like your music artistically has gone on the same journey that most of us mentally have gone on, and I think that's why everyone fucking loves you so much. <laughs> that is so fucking interesting and we should do something more on it like i i am fascinated by it that it, there is something weirder about self-esteem certainly with women who are in and around the same age range like i think it's so there's so many levels to it and i think the defining thing ultimately for women is the fe- journey of like feminism and the the penny dropping because the dresses yeah, and, and the shoes, being, shoe, being shoe. bored of apologising. Yeah, the yeah. ukuleles, the dresses, the flowers, the all of that was just one more way to keep us, you know, uh, second and submissive. Even, but for me, I always think about like I was wearing the dresses and the flowers and the ballet flats, and I was singing a third above and singing shoop shoop, and plinking and plonking the ukulele. But then I was drinking like five pints and puking and trying to have sex with every boy in a band I met. You know, it was like a real disconnect. <laughs> Where, which is which, then became you know, thank God for like wine house and stuff, and we were like, oh, okay, you could be like. You can have this like indie aesthetic and also be like a fucking punk uh, with your behavior and be whatever yeah. you want. But like just before that, you know, we got, I don't know about you, but yeah, it was a real confusing time for my vibe. <laughs> this this is quite a personal question and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Um, but I feel like as much as like twee indie culture was a thing, there was also the kind of twee indie dating culture. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where I think a mistake I made a lot when I was this age was I would gravitate towards boys who were also into bright eyes or also into, you know, feist or cat power or whatever. And I would take that as recognition that they were good people. Mm-hmm. And then they would not be. Ah! <laughs> and and, <laughs> so, so and I... I imagine if you're like dating the people who are who are also making that music, it's even. It's, oh boy, yeah. You know, oop, it's a quiet head fuck. Mm. I imagine, like, because like, was there was the toxic toxic masculinity that lived in those scenes any different to the toxic masculinity that was in any other kind of scene? Do you think? I think personally, it was worse because it's on it's stealth and undercover of this emotional intelligence or this being in touch with your feelings and you know the soft boy instagram account you know uh, like it they're still alive and well it's out there being it's a red flag i now see it as a red flag to be like into bukowski and you know pressing flowers between pages but at the time it was like very it was like what you saw in movies it was like but it enabled a lot of boys to be really like uh, just you know be quiet or sort of ignore you or like like it, 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 it's always it's 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 similar to though I don't know like I've experienced men who have read a few feminism books now and really want to sort of pontificate about feminism but then also not putting it into practice yeah. at all and it's the same sort of thing and I'm not like slagging everyone off but <laughs> it was a 
uh, you know, like, uh, I'm only talking about men and like, I, and like, I hadn't like dated women till way after this era. So I sort of, I was really like looking for a, looking for a boyfriend who'd want to like marry me and have babies with me. Like I was still in that zone and run but want really wanted them to be all and cool and like poetry and like movies and mm. understand music and and alongside that would have been like lads I went to school with who were like I don't know sporty and like go and go you know into coke and pints and <laughs> banking I don't know like at the same like there was such a goal for a bit where it was like normal lads or alt lads and I was obsessed with alt lads I wouldn't have gone near a normal lad um I don't know what I'm on about now, really. But, like, yeah, it was... Um, and the normal lads actually give you less bullshit than the <laughs> than the guys that you sent very in connected to. Because it all gives you... It, you know, often it just gives you an excuse or a... Yeah, stealth, like a sort of... under You're undercover as a sexist pig, but with a fucking trilby on. It... I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this... These episodes to heal, really. But, like... <laughs> In the, it strikes me as so strange is that it was this era that like and yes part of it was that we were really young and pop, but part of it is that it was culturally really unfashionable to talk about feminism or be interested in, in it at all it strikes me as really weird that we were all like sitting on the floor listening to vinyls of Regina Spector with the boys that we were kissing <laughs> but to ever but like <laughs> to ever say to him uh, you never you know let me you're 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 mean to me for reasons that I think are based on my gender and also I have to pay for my own cinema ticket. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> on top of us both enjoying the work of Regina Spector. Like it's like this is not it's like this thing of like just because we're intellectually and taste wise we're aligned, he can't be a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. my God. Wild. I think they had it a confusing time too because I don't know about you, but I was like please sir open the door for me you know still uh, still fucking addled with that versus really far in the distance say the beginnings of my like I think hang on a minute that's not all right <laughs> or I'm gonna stand up for myself here or well you know it's a long way off but I think they did it was like the last hurrah certainly in my relationships with men for like keeping me interested with a film camera you know <laughs> it was the last yeah. time they got with a with a, a super aid camera. Yeah, that was the last hurrah, and I think maybe they low key knew it and <laughs> made them even more emotionally abusive. I don't know. Because yeah. <laughs> there's that that I know you have like, to go places, but like I I rewatched Five Hundred Days of Summer recently, and like yeah. that is such. A, have you seen it? Yes, like lately? Yeah, yeah. I think about it. it it's. It's such a fucking baby incel movie. Yes. It's like this thing of like him refusing to take really no for an answer and refusing to listen to her at all. And him like, you know, he works at a greeting card company and there's this scene where he writes a thing that's like roses are red, violets are blue. You're a whore. <laughs> and then his, his, which is like a funny joke, but his boss, his boss calls him up and then he so and he's kind of he's all dejected and he's like so what are you gonna fire me and his boss goes no Tom you're one of the good ones and I was like mm. fire him yeah. <laughs> like 
so true. I mean, and look. Like, it's so weird. Recent, that is recent history. That is a movie you could still put on and sort of enjoy. But that was, this is what I mean. I mean, this is not the hottest take in the world to be like, movies really inform culture. <laughs> but like, <laughs> they really fucking do. I, I watched, you know, I watched that and rooted for him just as much as anyone else. And then now I'm like, <gasps> of course. Of course it's taking fucking ages to make slightly any change at all because it's only just a minute ago that that was absolutely fine and he was the hero. And she was the she was the twat. And now yeah. I watch that going like, good for she her, was like, leave twat. her alone. Yeah. It's applicable yeah. to loads She's been very women. clear. Yeah. Imagine that. Just I do so many interviews and they're like, what's it like being a woman in music? And I'm like, it's the same as being a woman at all. Like, it's not fair. And it's not as <laughs> it's not as progressive as everyone thinks. And you have to have like a million, you know, very high intelligent uh, concepts to back up your behaviour. <laughs> like, and and yeah, and things like Five Hundred Days of Summer or you know, all those twee bands that's like call and response, boy, girl, and she has to harmonise, he he gets the lead. It's just, you know, that's the trickle down from all that still. That was only recently. <laughs> it's my hot take. <laughs> my last thing, I was, because we've talked about music, we've talked about movies, we've talked about fashion, we've talked about dating. It's basically trying to deconstruct a whole, a whole subculture. My last thing is, I think, the vernacular, the slang, because there's no movement without slang. And I thought for a really long time today what the slang of twee was. And I think it was this kind of weird baby talk, like saying things. And it, 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 there's still evidence of it in our vernacular today of, I miss your face. Oh, my and God. Like, oh, my God. That's so true. Keep going. <gasps> And, um, th- you know, there was this whole thing about loving bacon for a while and just like just being really into ham. And it was like, mm, this like this makes my mouth happy. And like something about mm, this makes my tummy happy, like talking like like a baby. Yeah, nom, nom, nom. While dressed like a librarian from the 60s. Yes. Like nom, nom, nom. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> fucking hell. That's so fucking funny. I want to think more on this because you're right. There was, and it's not as, the slang was there, but I would have done it with all sincerity and, oh, I've got to think. But yeah, that, it is like, everything was childish though, wasn't it? Weird. It was all, you know. Yes. All that like badges and uh, nothing cooler than a hand-drawn artwork. Like what our second single, we had everybody draw pictures and we put them on the cover and it's like the it's just disgusting like crayola drawings i got thinking as well the the birthday present i got for everybody during one of those years was the indie rock coloring book do you remember that yeah i do i do and it was all this stuff all the the hand-drawn art all that and i think part of it was because of the death of cd culture people were trying to make more and more merch from mm. with very little resources mm. in order to support the lack of CD sales, but I think there was also just this real protective instinct about the childlike mindset. Mm. I want to talk to yeah, you know, I, me, me and Gareth from Last Conversations used to go out. Did you know that? 
He was one of my, he was a great was boyfriend. Aware. He was a nice boyfriend. He's the best boyfriend, actually. Um, when we were together, it was this sort of mutual hatred of what we were peddling, but also really believing in what we were peddling. It was a fucking weird mix of, <laughs> I mean, we were both insane, but um, yeah, let me let me talk to him because he would, I would love to know his take on this. Because I feel like when I've, oh, I'm trying God. to answer your question and I'm thinking like, I want to know what Gareth thinks because <laughs> I can't think what I think. It's a very indie mindset. <laughs> What does a man think? Deferring Wait. it to your boyfriend. <laughs> My indie boyfriend. Do you know what I still love and I still use? Like a group vocal that's off the mic. I still love that as a, as a oh. sonic texture. And that was born from Twee, so I'm grateful to that. Things remain from Twee. Um, I think sincerity. I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. sincerity among people in their 30s. I think we still... I think that's what what results in the instinct of uh, lots of people sharing very Twee infographics on Instagram about like... Yeah, you know, it is, isn't it? How yeah. many people are are dead in a certain yeah. country or whatever? Yeah. And it's like it's all the sunshine rainbows, and you're like, this is the the hangover of Twee. So um, but yeah, it's like you know that meme that goes around every now and then of the goat saying, "I am cringe, but I am free." <laughs> I think the same about Twee. That's that. I am Twee, but I am free. I am. I really love talking about it. My bestie Kelly, like some of her, you know, my piano in my hair was nothing compared to some of the mad shit she was putting on. So, uh, yeah, it's one of my favourite things to do is we send back and forth just pictures of us in those opaque tights, Aww. man. Like, nothing quite like it. Oh, my God. The, the coloured tights where we all look like we teach art for elves. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking so gross. Oh, man, it's been a pleasure, though. I love it. Long live It's been we. so good. I'll let you go. Uh, Rebecca Lisa Taylor you are self-esteem you are the most famous pop star in the world I don't need to, to <laughs> fucking say anything but uh, you've got a sold out US and UK tour I do so <laughs> yeah people can not go to that yeah. if they don't have tickets <laughs> and uh, I'm doing every festival I'm doing loads of festivals come and see are you festivals. yeah yeah. this has been Sentimental Garbage and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue The podcast was produced and edited by me with mix and music by Harry Harris and artwork by Gavin Day. If you'd like to email me about the pod, you can do so on sentimentalpod at gmail.com or get in touch with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at Zaraline. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com